Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what is Mike Time? Mike Time is a set of short stories that have happened throughout my lifetime, experiences of mine throughout my lifetime, that have taught me lessons that I hope will be of value to you. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, deliver advice that sharpens your focus, as well as providing expert information regarding real estate, finance, and market conditions. Chase Cromwell. Thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you being on the yeah. Mike Litton experience. Yeah, I'm excited. So like we talked about, everyone has a story. And I believe your story, when people hear it, will inspire and motivate them. And so our passion is to help you tell your story, get it on tape, and get it out there so people will be inspired and motivated. Cool with that? Yeah. All right. So what we do is we talk about your life story. So let's start with your permission. Let's start at the beginning. Where were you born? Um, I was born in San Diego, I believe in Grossmont Hospital. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Did you grow up in San Diego? I grew up in San Diego, yes. Both parents um, from, my, actually my mom was from Oklahoma, my dad from Lakeside, but as a kid we resided in Lakeside. Okay, cool. So you grew up in Lakeside. Um, you had mentioned to me that your dad was in rodeo, I think, is is that correct? Yeah, and it's in a his younger period of his life, you know, okay. I, I mean, yeah, from the time he was a little kid until I think he was probably in his teenage, late teenage years, he was still rodeo. That's you know? cool, man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So what did he do for a living when you were growing up? Um, my grandparents owned a big plumbing company called CPC Mechanical. That, okay. You know, they were one of the bigger um, construction companies that was um, um, developed in East San Diego gotcha. at the time. Okay. And then over... You know, at a certain period of time, my dad started having kids, he started his own company. Gotcha. Okay. So let me ask you this. So dad starts his own company. It's in plumbing. Did mom work? Yep. Okay. Where did she work? My grandma owned a nail salon. And so my mom worked there with her sister and my grandma. Oh, cool. Yeah. So growing up, who was the most influential person in your life? My dad. Okay. By yeah. far. By far. Yeah. No question. Why, why would you say that? Um... I just, I, I think he's just the man that anybody would want to be. Okay. He's just a man's man and, you know, he treated his family good. And um, as a, from, you know, I'm a father of five kids. So just yeah. from the perspective of a father, he was just the best dad I could ask for. Just yeah. the way he was with us as kids. And yeah. Awesome. So growing up, did you play sports? Lots. Yeah. Okay. So kind of all of them? All of them. Soccer, baseball, football. I raced BMX, I raced motocross. Um, yeah, I think that's probably it. Kind of a high energy kid. Yeah, skateboarding. I was an extreme kid. That's cool. That's I good was for a you. super extreme kid. And you're still in one piece. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm put together. Let's put it that way. <laughs> or put back together. I'm put back together. Yeah. So did you go to Lakeside High? I went to El Cap. Yeah, okay. that's the only high school okay. in Lakeside. Yeah. Okay. My wife uh, went there, my dad went there, my mom went to Grossmont High School, but yeah, I mean, my siblings all went to El Cap. And you mentioned earlier, I mean, I, we had a conversation before all this, but uh, you mentioned earlier you met your wife in eighth grade. I met my wife in seventh grade oh, okay. under a park table at the Thunderboats. And when I, I met her, I mean, I was 12 years old. I, I seriously, at that time, nobody thinks, you know, yeah. I hate to fall in love with that age, but I did. I did everything in my power from seventh grade on to let my parents switch me schools. Oh, and I did. She went to their school. Yeah, I went to Greenfield in Oklahoma, and she went to TBS in Lakeside. Okay. And I finally got my parents to get let me switch over districts, and I got to her in eighth grade, and then made her my girlfriend. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that and that's a stop since, right? No, now we have five. You guys been together? You said twenty years. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so you go to you go to LCAP, you, you're in pretty much all the sports, right? Yep. Um, when you graduate from LCAP, what happens? Oh, uh, when I graduated from LCAP, so 
Well, when I was in school at LCAP, um, I had started about 15 years old. My dad's like, hey, you got to get a job, whether it's working at the shop back at my grandma and grandpa's, you can even sweep the floors, run the yard, but you have to work. So, um, and I knew that because when I was a kid, my dad made, you know, during the summer, he made me get up at four in the morning when I was, you know, 10, 12, 13 years old and go to work with him. Not the whole summer, but I was used to working and I knew that it was coming. So, um, you know, he said, you can do something for yourself if you want to. And I started working at my grandma's in high school, sweeping the floors. And then I just was like, I don't like this. So, um, by the when I turned, you know, I was still 15 at the time. I went and worked for this guy, um, that was dating a friend's mom. He was a detailer, a mobile detailer. And I went and helped him clean cars a little bit after school. Okay. So when I turned 16 and I got licensed, I told my dad, what I want to do. So I had a little Ford Ranger in high school, single cap. And my dad had an old pressure washer at the shop. Oh, he gave cool. me a pressure washer. I went and bought a bucket and some soap. And I started, I remember my first wash was this guy, Andy Susan. I'm still friends with him this day. Yeah. Um, but I, I worked in the street. It took me hours for like a one hour job. Yeah. And I just wanted to make sure I did a good job. And my dad saw that I worked hard. So, you know, my dad rewarded me and, and built me an actual detailing rig. My oh, dad's super cool. Handy, so that kind of stuff was all right for him to do. That's awesome. And so all through high school, I was a kid that worked and uh, I still raced, I still had good grades. I still split, played sports, but it kind of led up to being out of high school. I had something to do. But you had your own business. Right? I had so, own business. So when you were six or 15, you had started your own business. I started that at 16, okay. my own. Okay. I worked doing it at 15, Okay. but at 16. So when I left high school, like I had something to do. Yeah. Kids were wondering, what do I do? Go to, and I did go to college and my parents actually made me go to college and I didn't want to, but um, after high school, I graduated. Um, at that time I had, I quit racing motorcycles cause I just gotten through like some of the most like horrific breaks that I had had and, and during racing. Mm -hmm. So it became more of a hobby for me. So I didn't have to spend too much time practicing and doing uh, race prep stuff. So I had more time to work. And okay. so I was working on building that, that business. And, mm -hmm. You know, that business is very similar to this business that I'm in today. Yeah. Not, well, the service goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's really. exactly it. Like, yeah. Tons of customer service. People don't like it. You got to make it straight. You know, yeah. I mean, sometimes I lose at the end of the day because if somebody didn't like it and I had to go back and redo it or they didn't want to pay me, then I never, you know, it was about customer satisfaction. Yeah. And never did me any harm. I, I was like, I grew it very quickly. Yeah. Always making it right. Always made it right. Seems like, seems like it's a theme through your life, right? And your dad always did that, so that's what you do, yeah. right? Yeah. So let's kids with your profession. Let's go back just a little bit. Yeah. So when you were getting up at four in the morning and working for your dad, what were you doing? I was holding the fire hose. Okay. On jobs, I, that job specific, I think I was like fifteen years old, and I during the summer was doing the Dana Hotel down there in Mission Bay was being built. Mm -hmm. My dad made me work that whole summer. That was the summer I had to work all. But uh, I'd get up, I'd either run the traffic sign or I would uh, hold the water hose while they were cutting grade, and, you know, and then they would cut all the, the trenches out for the utility because that's what they did at the time. Right. So, so, so not the, not glamorous stuff, right? But real work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what did you learn getting up at four in the morning and going to work with your dad? Sometimes you got to do don't want to do that true <laughs> is that true and sometimes you got to do the rough stuff right yeah. to get to where you want to be yeah that's and cool. i actually taught me how to take an ass chewing too at the time because there's plenty of those when you don't know what you're doing and you're on a job with guys that need to get stuff done you know yeah. i had my butt shoot out more times than not there's not a lot of political correctness going on at that job site no right no. they're going to let you have it right between and your it's eyes. all my family my uncle my dad the workers that saw me grow up as a kid so i know i knew all of them they all knew me and the guys that knew me growing up would just laugh at me because they knew because they they get the same thing but i just you know yeah well having known you yeah right and knowing your dad and all that yeah. they're giving you the business probably more than they are anybody else but you know yeah. you, you yeah. got through it you yeah through i was good you're better because of it right but at one so i think i was freaking i hadn't been 13 years old i think my dad woke me up one summer and he's like, son, my, my guy's sick. He's not showing up to work today. I need you to drive my work truck to the job. Follow me to the job. Town. 13. Yeah. Right. No license. Like, yeah, my dad 
Yeah, I'll go. I'll get into that why my dad was just crazy back in the day. But um, he woke me up. I didn't even know how to drive a stick shift. That morning I woke up. I had to drive an F three fifty stick shift, following my dad to uh, a job in Oklahoma. At that time, my dad had started his new company. And he was doing hazardous materials. So we were we were going to dig up a fuel tank at an old gas station. Wow. So I followed him on the freeway at thirteen years old, all the way to uh, East Main Street in Oklahoma. Wow. Yeah, I might have been 14. I was, it could have been right on the cusp. I don't know. It was right around. I was young. I didn't earn it. I know that. I know so you had to learn how to drive a shift, a stick shift. Yeah. And you had to drive this great big, huge commercial truck yeah. all the way on the freeway, all the way that you're 14 years old. Wow. That's, yeah. that's wild. What a, what a great way to grow up though. Yeah. It was, it was cool. I, my dad, like I was, shoot, I had surgery on my stomach at 10 years old. Um, bad. That's why I remember this. And my son's 10 years old now. So my son does the same thing I was doing at the time. Uh, but my dad has a, a backup. Mm-hmm. And then, you guys know what kind of new piece of equipment that is. Yeah. Um, backup goes like this and digs. Yeah. yeah. It's on the back of the tractor. Yeah. 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 And he let me, my dad lives on two acres, but he let me take the tractor, drive across the street, and try and build jumps with this tractor. And oh, cool. I learned at a young age how to do that cool stuff that, you know. Yeah. That's awesome. Mess more stuff up than I could do. That's all right. That's how you learn. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a great way to grow up. So back to like being 13, 14 years old, got in that truck. My grandpa used to wake my dad up in the morning before he'd go to work. My grandpa rode here too. At nine o'clock, or my dad was uh, nine years old, and he would tell my dad, go load the horses up in the horse chair, take the horses up to the Poway Rodeo Grounds, and I'll be up there after work, get everything ready for the rodeo. My dad would be nine years old with that responsibility. Mm Driving a truck by himself mm-hmm. with a horse trailer behind it, all the way up to all horses, yeah. all on horses for rodeo, rodeo yeah. horses, and they have with, to get there all the gear, yeah. all the crap to be ready to go. So for my dad, I don't think. I mean, yeah, he he thought about it a lot more. I think my grandpa did. He knew times have changed, but yeah. he still let me live. You know, that's cool. So that's cool, man. That's that's an amazing story. So. So you so you graduate all cap. You got your own business. You're you're detailing cars. Yeah. Uh, what happens then? I, I I went to Grossmont High. Okay. So I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought ah, I'm going to get a business, you know, degree maybe. So I went to Grossmont uh, College with my yeah. best friend Ryan. We tried to every class together, and I went from like a B average student to like a C average student because, you know, I spent a lot of time working. My parents paid for my college. It was junior college. I was taking, um, she don't even know what it's called. When you just take a full staff. Yeah. yeah, but I was taking like a full class, like full set of um, credits, right? right? At the time, every semester was a full set, if not more. So I was working, then going to college and then go, getting off of from college and going to work. So when I went to Grossmont, I went to Grossmont. Oh, low is what they call it, yeah. Yeah, I went to Grossmont and Queen Macca between the two for... I think it was four years. And then I finally got accepted into San Diego State okay. to finish off my degree. This sucked because I I got accepted to San Diego State and I missed the deposit um, deadline. So they automatically didn't let me join the students. So they let me go through extended studies. Okay. And they're like, oh, your credits will still count. So I literally changed my degree to communications at the time. Okay. I knew this engineering college. And I finished all three years of San Diego State College. I now in college for seven years through extended studies. Mm-hmm. Went to go to graduation time, and uh, the dean said, "No, you can't graduate. You were technically not a student, and you have to be a student for two years. So your credits will count, but you have to start over and go and be and do it as a student." I'm like, I've reapplied three times. This is when things were like wonky back in San Diego State. There was. They were accepting more outsiders than they were like the people. I remember that. The local people. I remember that. And so I I kept getting denied. And I was under a heavy workload at that time. I had bought a house. Like I was I was working. Like Mm -hmm. I was trying to get shit. Life was life was going. I was moving and it wasn't stopping. Right. And so my grades were like I was suffering. I wasn't making the requirements to make it back into San Diego State. Like I had enough to graduate, but it wasn't enough to make it in at the time. You know what I mean? So Every time I reapplied, my, I didn't have the GPA. I'd go talk to them, like, keep going through seven studies, you're fine. I kid you not, dude, I finished the entire, the entire required classes for the degree and they denied me. And I just said, 
screw it, I'm done. I'm not going back to college. I felt bad for my parents who were paying for all that time. Yeah. But, you know, here I am now, like, I'm in this incredible real estate business and I don't even use that degree. Yeah. And I'll tell that to the whole world. Like, I went to college and yeah, I taught them good stuff, but I worked all the way through. I'm one of the only kids that worked my butt off through college and took full loads every semester, worked full time, you know, bought, saved up and bought a house, you know, um, my wife got pregnant when I was towards the end of college and I had all this crazy stuff happening to me and, um, it, I, it just never, let, it never, I never let it keep me down. Never. It just what it is, what it is. It's the past. That's cool. Well, you completed everything you needed to complete, right? right. So you've got all the stuff done, all the credits done. And you know, the idea of going back another, going back for another two years is ridiculous. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, the only people that make up that kind of, that, those kind of rules are academia, right? Or, you know, the members of academia, right? So we had this conversation the other day with another, with another, on another podcast episode, you know, when you're self-employed, which you are technically self-employed, right? Being what you do now and being self-employed at the time, the big conflict with college is college is literally designed to teach you how to be an employee. It's literally designed to teach you how to be an employee and people who are entrepreneurs you are one of them, right? People who are entrepreneurs struggle with the idea of being taught how to be an employee because that's not where you're headed. That's not where you're going. I would submit to you your entire life that wasn't where you were headed, right? Right. So the college thing's great, and it's you learn stuff, and I still use stuff that I that I learned from college, but it didn't help me in terms of owning my Keller Ranch. It didn't help me with with you know the entrepreneurial stuff that I've done. It didn't even help me be a better employee. So. I understand. Yeah. I, 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 I don't regret it at all. Yeah. I mean, it was well spent time. But it was a good experience. Yeah. Maybe I got more out of it than I even know. The unforeseen of it, you know, yeah. it, to be put into the position like I was in college, like working as much as I was, I used to spend, this is, I mean, I was young. I would drink a freaking bottle, maybe two bottles of wine when I get home from work at like eight o'clock at night and I had, you know, essays and stuff to do for class and I would stay up till like three in the morning doing it, go to class, leave, go back to work and the next night, you know, something to do in the other class. And it was a, just a never ending thing, just, just, but it taught me how, I mean, I already knew how to grind, but it was a different kind of grind because I was kind of hit with some like life um, responsibilities, right. you know what I mean? So to have so many responsibilities and you know, not want to let your parents down at the same time or running a business. I just, I did learn that specifically. Nobody wants to let their parents down. No. Right? Not me. But here's the thing. I'll bet you there's a bunch of stuff that you learned from it. And the most important was you got through everything. You finished all the stuff you were supposed to finish. And then they tell you that you can't graduate because you got to come back and do it for two years because it's a technicality, right? Yeah. And to your credit, you take that and run with it. You just go. Yeah. You just, you know, you don't let it get you down. You don't, you know, you just move on, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big lesson that you learned in life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, how to handle that kind of stuff. Yeah. Most people, they let it crumble, right? They, they're like, oh, I, you know, spent all this time and end up there starting their victim triangle, all that kind of thing. You didn't. You just kept on moving. You had a baby on the way. You got stuff to do. Yeah. Right? Life is, life is going, yeah. right? So, so you, so you, so you finish up at San Diego State. What, what are you doing at that point when you're, cause you're self-employed, you have your own business. Are you still detailed? Yeah. So tying back into that, like I'll, I'll I'm going to rewind a little bit. Cause okay. I was 22, uh, I was 24 when I finished college. I was 22 when I bought my house, me and my wife, almost 23. So it was like, we had a year left of college while we lived in the house and she worked at Nordstrom's. We weren't married then. She was still my girlfriend. I was still detailing, um, and then we she got pregnant, and we weren't married yet. And then, right, so a year after I bought the house, college was over. I had the I had my baby in June twenty sixth, my daughter, mm -hmm. and from there, like, um, I was like, oh my gosh, like, what a heavy load. Like we, you know, I've got a person depending on me, not just now Cody. Which Cody became my wife the, uh, the same day my daughter was born. I proposed her, had uh, uh, um, an efficient come in and marry us right there. So we left the hospital all us crumbles. But that's cool. Um, so I had a lot more responsibilities, you know, and she wanted to be with the baby. And then, you know, we needed the income. So 
at that time, um, I think that was the age I started. Yeah, that's the age I started um, doing construction. Okay. I got back into working construction gotcha. and detailing. So I had two jobs at that time. Gotcha. So I went and worked for my dad's friend, Bob Salas, doing underground, uh, totally different type of crew work. Um, and I was just a laborer working my butt off. And then I'd get off work and I'd go clean cars and I'd clean cars on the weekends when I had clients. And so we were trying to um, build up a bank account, which right. was impossible. Like, yeah. I, I kid you not, the entire time I owned that house, which is across the street from my office, um, randomly, but the entire time I had that house, every month my wife and I struggled so hard that we ended every month with a negative balance, like six worse than we always made it happen. I never asked anybody for money to help me. Um, but we were we were struggling financially and I was working two jobs, she was working her job. And then um, you know, a, a period of time came, you know, another 18 months after that, she got pregnant with our second child, uh, my son, Oliver, my first son. And uh, she's like, this is it. Like, I got to quit working. I can't right. let my kids be raised by somebody else. I right. said, okay, that's cool. We'll figure it out. So we got to get rid of things. We got to, we got to get rid of cars. We got to do things that, you know, I, so I can afford it. I have jobs. I got to work more. Yeah. You know? So she did, uh, she quit her job. And, and at the time I had had, I had bought her a Prius because she was driving to La Jolla every day. She worked at Nordstrom's mm -hmm. and it was just, we were in over our head. And I remember the financial struggle was getting so heavy and it was such a burden. Like I ended up showing up to Toyota um, where we bought her Prius. I asked him to just take the car. We're like, we can't, we're only going to give you less than you. We're going to give you $4,000 under the value. I called my cousin that day and I said, can I borrow $4,000? And he drove down and gave me $4,000. I gave $4,000 to Toyota and gave him the car mm -hmm. because I couldn't, I need to get rid of that monthly right. payment of 500 bucks. Yeah. And then in order to pay him back, I ended up selling my truck um, at the time, paid him back. And then I bought this piece of shit F100 1955 F100 and I thought, okay, this would be a cool project truck for me and my kid to um, work on later down the road, you know, and I just thought, okay, I got ahead. Now I, I eliminated a few hundred bucks worth of payments and actually several hundred bucks worth of payments. And now I can just work and catch up doing that way until a little bit more. Yeah. And so I was on my way to work on one in that 55, two days after I bought it and the freaking transmission blew, drive shaft beat the whole undercarriage of the truck, the rear end. And I, at that point, dude, I had just like, you know, borrowed from Peter to pay Paul and bought that truck. And my dad told me not to do it. And I just did it anyways, but I was a know-it-all. <laughs> and uh, I, dude, I, I had to call my buddy at 4.30 in the morning. I had to call if my, you needed an answer, <laughs> all you had to do was ask me back then. <laughs> so I called my buddy at 4.30 in the morning. I could always count and get young kid who's a trucker and those guys just don't sleep. And I'm like, hey, I'm stuck on the side of the freeway. I need you to come pick me up towed my truck off the freeway. So we towed it off the freeway. I went to work that day, came home from work, grabbed my wife's car, went to the junkyard, grabbed the transmission, grabbed the drive shaft, grabbed some rear end stuff, went to my buddy's house at like seven o'clock that night. We, we built race trucks. Mm -hmm. And I spent all night and all like, till like two in the morning putting the transmission and right. drive shaft back in my truck. Right. So I could drive it back right. to work the next right. day. Right. So instead of driving to work, I parked in the driveway, took my wife's car to work, sold the truck, and then I bought another piece of shit. Now right. I buy. Right. So um, <laughs> eventually with all that crazy getting through that um, that struggle, uh, my wife then now got pregnant with our third child, Forrest. And so we were just like, drowning and at that time like i found my uh faith in god i pulled over on the side of the road at one point i remember where i was i was crying in my truck and i was like i can't do this by myself right like there's no way i can do this by myself there's no human that can just bear this type this type of stress right and uh you know i felt at that time the holy spirit and i just ever since was convicted and committed and i never looked back so my strength today comes from God and my relationship with him. Yeah. And then my belief and my faith that he'll just get you through everything. Yeah. That wasn't me the whole time. I was just, I was getting by 
but living through this stress mm -hmm. of just, it was going to kill me sooner yeah. than later. And so now when I get into these situations, I'm calm, cool, and relaxed because I know, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's going to be a, but there's okay on the other side. There's, there's an answer. Turnout, there's some, the, the light's going to come through. Yeah. There is an answer for it. And that comes from that moment I pulled up on the side of the road and was convicted by God. Yeah. And so I've never left my faith since. So back so to how old were you about? Uh, 25. Okay. So it's just a little bit before all that mess. So a little bit of a turning point in your life. It's a turning point. But it taught me and my wife, like I started reading the Bible then, but it taught me and my wife um, as we were experiencing those hard times. Like I'm going to tell you they're hard. Like we had each other and we had God. Like we were like, we're gonna lose this house. And we were young kids. Like I already knew I was working, I was working so freaking hard at the time. Like I was barely spending time with them. And then when I come home, I would just drink because I was stressed out. Mm -hmm. And so tables turned and I I started knowing how to deal with that stress a little bit better. So I'm gonna back to fast forward. My third son, my wife's pregnant with him. And uh we were just like we're fed up with being so financially stressed. I told my wife, I was like, I, oh, so I just got licensed in real estate. Okay. And I hadn't done anything with it. I was excited about it. And I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to, we're going to leave here. And on our way to uh, the hospital, she's having contractions. I'm going to drive you by this property. And when we get out of the hospital, I'm going to sell our house and buy this property. We're going to move into this shit hole. I'm going to turn it into a house. Mm -hmm. So I drive her by this property, dirt road. She's bouncing around, having contractions, crying. She's like, just take me to the hospital. I'm like, we <laughs> need to this. This barn. It was literally a two horse stable barn with a breezeway yeah. on it. And I just wanted you to see it so that you so that you know where we're gonna be. Yeah, she was crying. She's like, there's no way we're doing this. So she right. like, it was full of trash. It's literally a barn. We walked way too much HGTV. One of those conversations where she says, You want to bring my baby, you want me to bring my babies here? Yeah. You want to put my babies in here? Oh yeah. my gosh. Right. Best decision, but honestly, one of the crazy sacrifices sacrifices we've ever made. So we, uh, I get her to the hospital, you know, everything goes good, healthy baby, come home. I draw up on this napkin when she's recovering, the barn, what I was gonna do. It was full of trash. I drove my dad there and my dad shakes his head at me and gives me one of those moments. He's like, don't do it. Right. He's like, don't do it. I'm telling you now, don't do it. And I'm like, two weeks later, my house hits the market. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like the it's like the truck thing. Yeah. Right. This seems to be a recurring theme with you. Yeah. Dad. Don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I list the house, and my first real estate transaction was actually the sale of my personal home. Wow. So then my second real estate uh, transaction was the purchase of this property. Yeah. And and I just because I you know. I, I could work hard and I thought, well, I'm going to tear this house apart. It's going to cost me 30 grand. And I knew nothing about it. I knew right. nothing about real estate. I just knew it all. I right. Was, I was a young, you know, bulletproof, right? The whole thing, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Egotistical, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. I don't care. But I, I, I always had that mentality. Oh, I can do it. You know, there's no way you can tell me now. I'm just going to do it. Right. So we buy it and then we're like, oh shit, we don't have a house to live in now because this barn has to turn into a house. Now, where are we going to go? Yeah, we're gonna go. My grandma, uh, we thought we were going to move in with my grandma and that wasn't going to work out. So last second, we asked her brother to move in with him. And at this point, we had three kids. Wow. So we moved in with her brother. Right. Yeah. Right. Saving grace. Right. You know. Oh gosh. And so I just look back and I cringe. I feel bad for my brother-in-law. He saved my life for what he did. But in return, I, I hope I gave him back everything that he deserved for letting me do that. Um, so while I was working on this farm, I had, you know, I had two jobs. Uh, I was doing the work at the house. Me and my dad did all the labor work. We lifted the barn up off the ground with beams. We broke out all the old footing, we set it back down, we rolled the house in position where it needed to be, and then we, we hired people to help us out on. We did all the plumbing, all the septic. And I would I would get off work, I would work late there, and then I'd go home and on the weekends I'd work at my brother-in-law's because he didn't charge me rent. Mm -hmm. I couldn't afford rent if he did. Right. Like I just could we were just trying to do this and we we're there. So I, I would do projects at his house, you know, while I was there, I painted his house on the outside, I painted on the inside, I built him a backyard patio, I built him uh, a retaining wall, I 
put sprinkler systems in, I put pavers around the exterior, I graded out a couple paths, put in horseshoe pits, um, helped with chicken coops, uh, replaced sump pumps, put can lights in the kitchen, and this all in a period of eight months while I was building this barn. Um, so this sounds like an HGTV episode. It should have been. <laughs> Somebody would have gone on there and probably hired me and <laughs> You, you who says yeah. or proclaims that you watched too much HGTV and it got you in trouble in the barn, right? Well, we did it. I worked through it. So, uh, so you were probably the best house guest ever. Yeah, I worked. Like I worked. I liked to work. Mm-hmm. It was good. Um, cool. So uh, you mind if you mind if I interrupt you for just a second? Yeah, yeah. So let's go back just a second. What made you get your real estate license? Um, I wanted out of construction. I need that early. Like I, I saw my dad break his back and I just felt bad for him. Yeah. And I just was like, I don't you know. You don't want to go down that same road. I didn't want to, I admired my dad and I respected him and I wanted to be like him, but I didn't want to do it. Right. I just didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. I didn't like to see him so stressed out. Yeah. And uh, I just was like, I'm going to, and my real estate agent that helped me buy this house, she's like, you'd be really good at real estate. I'm like, really? You think so? You know how realtors are great. Yeah. You'd be really good. You know, that's, mm-hmm. and she sold it on me. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get licensed. Yeah. So I got licensed and uh, I told my, my dad, I was like, this is going to come. There's going to be a day that I quit working for you and I'm going to go do uh, real estate. And he was like, okay, well, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, I'm thinking I was just going to keep falling path, mm-hmm. you know? Got licensed, had it for like five months, still working construction. And then my dad went for a trip. Uh, he was starting to become a gunsmith at the time. And he went for a trip in Georgia and he left the job for a week. And I thought like, this is probably a good time for me to, to do what I got to do while he's doing what he's got to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I left and started real estate full time. So when I started real estate full time, I knew financially I was back on my own. Mm-hmm. I had no paycheck, you know, I was on salary. And uh, so it was a huge, huge career move, scariest thing ever. Yeah. And um, three babies and all. Yeah. I was told I was never going to make it. You know what I mean? And everybody thinks they're going to get in this industry to make a million bucks. And I just wanted to make a buck. I didn't even care right. how much it was. I just needed to make a buck. Without breaking the bag. Yeah. Well, I still had to do it. You know, this industry is a lot harder than people think. Yeah. I can tell you firsthand, like, I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of stuff like to do this to the level, like you and I have like making it a business and not being an employee of it. It's hard work and it's stressful. So at that time when my dad left town, I was like, I'm going to, I'm dad, I'm leaving. This is our, this is our way out. This is, you're going to help me flip houses and we're going to, you know, we're going to do our thing and you can leave construction. We'll run a totally different type of career. And it's like, okay, I think I broke his heart a little bit. Um, but the struggle was real. I, I, I quickly realized, like, I don't have work here. Like, this is unemployment, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I had detailing relying on, you know, feeding my whole family. And at that point, I kind of let a little bit of the business order away because I was so heavily involved in the construction work. So I had to rebuild detailing. I got offered a job at a church from a new friend of mine at the time who was a pastor. He's like, hey, for a thousand bucks a month, you come a couple of days a week, I'll pay you to be our facilities director. I'm like, yeah, I'll take anything. Okay. Yeah, why not? I'll do it. So I worked at a church at the time. I was working real estate and then I would pick up side gigs, uh, uh, working on houses, whether it was grading pads or painting houses or building decks. Like I would just take on work. So I had four jobs at the time when I started real estate to try and to, su- to support your real estate. Habit. That's what yeah. we call it. Yeah. You're, you're working to support your real estate habit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my first year, <laughs> then, oh my god, the stress is like, oh yeah, I'm so telling you, man. My first year, I'm getting stressed just listening to you. <laughs> so technically, my first year, I started if I started selling real estate yeah. because I was licensed in April. I didn't start until November, but from the time in November when I sold my house, I told my dad, I'm like, I'm going to sell 16 houses this year, which should have at the time probably earned me a hundred thousand dollars. And um, which was more money than I was making at the time. Or dreaming of, yeah. yeah dreaming of. And uh, my dad's like, You're not going to sell 16 houses. Like, you know, he was more of a realist. You know, he would put me in check, but I was more of a bull. Like, mm-hmm. I would just, I would fight back. And I ended up in that room here selling 10 houses, which I was super proud of because um, 
it was all referral, word of mouth. You know, when I was detailing cards, I'd keep my real estate cards on me. I would give them that. I'm like, this is what I do full time, but I do this to fill in the gaps. Right. And so that kind of helped me with exposure. And uh, yeah, so real estate has been, that was how that happened. So, so, so you, so you sell 10 houses your first year. Yeah. And now, now you're basically off and running, right? How'd you do your second year? I did 15 houses my second year, I think, from what I remember. How so did I, it feel to be selling real estate and, and having, basically having an income, having something that you're not working your way towards breaking your back kind of thing? How did that feel? Scary. Yeah, dude, it was scary. It is scary. Yeah, because I would go three, four months without a paycheck, and that's normal in this business. Yeah. Because sometimes you get like five deals that pop in your lap at once, which is a great payday when I all close within two months. But, sure. You know. Then you go three months and you've got five mouths to feed. Yeah, and you don't have any money. Yeah. You'd already spent the money you made because you're counting on it. And that was like an issue that I had in the beginning. It's like, how am I ever going to get ahead? I spend the money that's coming in because I needed it. Right. You know what I mean? And, uh, so 10 my first year, 15 my second, I think I did 22 my third. I wow, did good job. 30 my fourth, 40, 50, 60, whatever, up in to where I am today. Right. Um, and you've been in real estate now how long? Um, it's been uh, eight years, almost nine years. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, almost nine years. So so you, where did you start in real estate? What company were you in? I started at Berkshire Hathaway. Okay. Um, and I worked and was mentored by Sandra Brown. Okay. And at the time, Sandra Brown was like a very well-known uh, real estate agent in East San Diego, which is where I was from. She was very well-connected, people knew her. So I tried to utilize her name, um, but she had she kind of got lost in 2018 when the market crashed right. and, and she quit marketing herself because she didn't have the money to do it. So her name was kind of lost yeah. and just diminished. So I was starting fresh and, you know, um, I realized that I loved Berkshire Hathaway at the time because it was a great source of camaraderie. I had a lot of agents in there, uh, that I fed off of and just kind of co-mingled with that. I wasn't a part of their team, but I just, I would ask, I, I would ask so many questions in this industry. I was never afraid to pick up my phone and ask an agent that I didn't know if I could take him to lunch and pick his brain on how they do things. Right. Um, and that's how I grew. Really? Somebody called me the other day and asked me if they could take me to lunch and pick my brain. Yeah. And I told them it won't take long. Yeah. It's slim pickings. Yeah. Well, I'll I, always say. But I, but I absolutely, I spent an hour and a half just, yeah, you know, answering every question they had. But it's, that's, that I believe is a big, big deal. Um, paying it forward. Yeah. Um, I look at my life and my career and there are a lot of people, I was, I was sharing that with, with your ops manager, you know, there were a lot of people that have come into my life and come through my life and passed, you know, cross paths with me and that kind of thing that really, honestly, it's a God thing because there's no way I could have written that script. If you look back, there's no way. And to this day, I still, anybody ever asks me for, you know, a mentor lunch or breakfast or whatever, you know, and, or needs advice or what I'm, I'm there and I'm there because a lot of these guys that aren't with us anymore, you know, a bunch of them have passed away, took the time that they didn't have to take to help somebody like me that was brand new in this business, didn't know what I was doing, was doing it wrong. You know, they pulled me aside and said, look, you're doing this the wrong way. You know, you need to do this. You need to look at this. You need to talk to this person, right? And that's a big deal, man. It, paying it forward is a, is a big deal. And it's our responsibility when we succeed at this, it's our responsibility to then pay it forward. And that's a big part of this podcast is teaching people about paying it forward, right? So a lot of the mic time episodes and things that people will hear on our podcast are lessons, they're, they're experiences that I've had where somebody pulled me aside. I thought I was in trouble, right? And they pulled me aside and I turned out I wasn't in trouble, but they literally set me in, a, in the right course. You mentioned earlier before we got started that you know, all people have to do is kind of point you in the right direction and you just go, right? That's exactly what my grandfather, who was the biggest influence in my life, that's what he used to tell people. And it was a, it was a way of, for him to brag about me. He's like, you just point him in that direction and he just goes until you tell him to stop, right? It's like a steam engine. And 
you know, that's a big, big deal in what we do. We have a responsibility as men. We have a responsibility as, as believers. We have a responsibility as fathers, right, to share and to, get, and to pay it forward. It's a big, big deal. So uh, what you're doing is huge, dude. So, uh, yeah, 100%. And the funny thing is it's important for people to realize, like, there's got, growing up, there's one person that probably, like you asked me who the most influential person mm-hmm. was in my life growing up. That was my father. Right. But at a certain point, I had to not rely on him. Right. And most people have some, one person in their life that they have, they, they rely on, whether it's their grandma or their grandpa or their dad or even a friend. Yeah. When I stopped working for my dad, it was a huge turning point. I, I no longer was able to, I was, but it, it, we're so different at this time. Yeah, it was, well, it was I wasn't yeah. able to utilize my dad's network to pull me or help me or guide me or push me into certain things. Right. I had to create my own right. at that time. So I had to find point. all new people outside of my dad that were going to help me get to where I wanted to go. Yeah. And part of that was the camaraderie at um, Berkshire, Berkshire Hathaway. Mm-hmm. It's a good company. It really is. I met, So I'll go back to, so when I built that barn, um, we were, I ran out of money completely because mm-hmm. I thought I was going to do it for 30 grand. I spent the 30 grand already. It was gone. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to sell it. And I detailed for this guy named Gil Martin and he owns a huge furniture company. Um, and he's, he's done very well for himself. The hardworking guy, his story is absolutely insane. Um, but I went to his house, I was cleaning his car. I was always reliable to him and he knew me. I was like family to him. And I just was upset one day and and he could tell, and he's like, what's going on? I'm like, dude, I got to sell that barn. He knew what I did. He knew the sacrifice. And he's like, why? I'm like, I ran out of money. I thought I was going to be able to do it. I have nothing. I'm going to have to, I'm a freaking rent or something. I don't know what to do. He's like, how much do you need? I'm like, honestly, like my dad thinks I need 80 grand. Mm-hmm. That dude wrote him a check for $60,000 that day. Wow. That day. Wow. That day, he wrote me a check for This is a guy who you've been detailing cars for. Dude, he was spending 25 bucks to wash a car, 30 bucks to wash a, a truck. Like, I wasn't making a lot of money off him, right. you know what I mean? And he just knew me. He knew how, he met me when I was 18, so he washed me all the way up until this point. He knew how hard the worker is. He pulled me over on the side of the road. road. I thought he was road raging, but he pulled me over, and I thought I was going to get into a fight with this guy, and I ended up pulling over the dude. And he got out super nice, because he was like, oh, I saw your detail show. I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah. You know? And I ended up you know, the rest is history, but I knew that he's on his cars. And when I was in need, that guy didn't even bat an eye. He was just like, here you go. You proved yourself. Yeah. I wrote it. Uh, we made this little agreement. And, um, yeah, that was it. He helped me through that. So he that's what I'm talking about. That's an yeah. example of paying the forward. Right. Somebody has a need. Somebody's hit a, in your case, hit a roadblock, right? Like you hit a brick wall and you know, you're, you're frustrated and you're, feeling like there's no option and that kind of thing, right? And here you've been out there dutifully taking care of him and his cars all these years, proving yourself to him, not even realizing that was exactly what you were doing, right? You didn't know that was something he was willing to do, that, you know, no way, right? Dude writes you a check, and that all of a sudden, and that all of a sudden you're, you're on your way. And that leads into like where we are today, right? That one action somebody did to me in my life, like, now I'm just like, I'll pay it forward to whoever needs it. Just what we do. Yeah. That's why I said, like, if somebody in real estate called me and like, hey, can I call you? Can I pick your brain? I, I need to know where to start. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. I don't care which you know, direction you go. I'll tell you, like, the first thing I tell everybody is like, this is a really hard thing to do. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah. Like, it looks really nice and shiny on Instagram. Everybody does a good job on Instagram. But the, the reality behind it is like, there's a lot of stress involved. You may not be put through the same you know, a series of tests that I did in the beginning because I had so much, I had so many other responsibilities, but just plan to to grind harder than you've ever grown. Right. You know what I mean? And so. be ready for the emotional turmoil, right? Because it's, and it's hard, it's hard when you're talking about emotions. It's hard when you're talking about stress. It's hard to try to enumerate that to somebody, right? I mean, you might be a communications, you know, you have a bachelor's degree in communications, right? The thing is, even having that, it's still hard to communicate to somebody, this is what you're gonna go through. You're gonna struggle, you're gonna have challenges, you're gonna have things that, you're gonna question your own ability, 
right? There are going to be times when you're just going to sit there and go, this, this is really what I want to do for a living, right? And that's kind of where that mic time thing I was telling you about before, that's where that mic time thing came from. You know, agents that used to work for us at Keller Williams, pick up the phone and call me every once in a while, they're like, I just need five minutes of mic time. Yeah. Can I just get five minutes? Sure. Yeah. Right? The world's just, the world and the industry and everything just beat them up, right? And they're like, we just need a positive, we just need somebody that we can talk to that we know is going to be positive. Well, they know I'm going to be, right? Because it doesn't matter what's happening in my life. I look hard enough because I believe that's one of God's gifts that he gave me. I look hard enough and I find something positive. I know for a fact that if you look hard enough, you'll find something positive in any situation. And doesn't matter, doesn't matter what it is. I agree with that 100%. I mean, you got to live by that. You know it doesn't mean? matter what it is. So, so Berkshire Hathaway, you're there for how many years? Um, six years. Right. Almost seven years. Right. And then you leave there and you go to EXP. Go to EXP. Okay. I'm with EXP, by the way, full disclosure. Okay. Um, so tell me why, tell me why EXP. Um, I needed something. I was, I was kind of like that fish outgrowing that fishbowl yeah. at Berkshire. Yeah. I'd already been the highest producer in Big the fish office. Yeah. yeah. And, <clears throat> and not to say that those people weren't so good for me, um, but I was, I was exceeding the level that they, you know, that they, they were producing yeah. at the time. I've been there. <laughs> Which <laughs> I've outgrown the company. And they're all really, really good agents. They're yeah. really good. But I, it's just, a good organization. And they all want to be I still like, have friends there. Yeah. So, yeah. And the agents I was friends with, they're, they're good selling 30, 40 houses a year because that's a good paycheck. I want to sell 150 houses a year. That's what I still am today pushing towards. And it's going to probably take me 20 years to get there. Because anybody that I've seen do that type of business in San Diego specifically, they've been doing it for 30 years, yeah. 20 years. And I know that's cool. I'm a slow growth guy. It's yep. good. So I, when I was at EXP, um, I met, uh, or not EXP, I was at Berkshire. I had met Kyle Whistle a series of times. Yep. I don't know. Well. Just talked to him, you know what I mean? And, you know, I wasn't into working for him. And at one point, he was trying to get me to be on his team and be a, like a team member. And I just, I totally uninterested me and turned me off in the very beginning of EXP. Well, then I circled back to him and we, we talked about other forms of EXP, mm-hmm. like coming on and doing my own thing. And then, um, being part of that fast forward group. And what really attracted me was that fast forward movement group. Uh, was something that I was missing at Berkshire Hathaway. It was a mastermind group. Yeah. And uh, where all of these agents, some top, some not, come together and they just, they are all willing to give you their playbooks. Mm-hmm. How did you make it? How did you do this? How did you convert this lead? How did you get this lead? Mm-hmm. And so that was, you know, I open people at other brokerages. Mm-hmm. Or stingy. Yeah. They did not want you to be the best. Yeah, they kept the doors they closed. They want to stay yeah. on top of the yeah. list. Yeah. Dude, EXP, the people at EXP that I realized when I met with him, like, holy cow, they say sky's the limit. It's because as we grow, they grow. Right. So, A, if I grow past them, they're going to do better. Yeah. If, you know what I mean? Because it just, I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of good that came out of it. It really is. It has nothing to do with the stock or the red shit. It literally had everything to do with the group, the it's camaraderie, the yeah. being able to listen to all these people grow and watch, and it's, it's an open book. Yeah. And the energy is different. Like yeah. just now, you were talking about Berkshire Hathaway, and they're all, you know, the great people who still have friends there, the whole thing. But then you start talking about EXP and you perk up. Yeah. People saw this. I guarantee you, if they're watching and listening, they they heard it and they saw it. There's a there's a different energy with EXP than there is with just about any other real estate company out there, I believe. And I know Glenn Sanford. I met Glenn Sanford back when he was a team leader at the Bellingham, Washington office for Keller Williams. That's how long I've been around, right? I probably should have retired me a long time ago. But I met him in Austin, Texas at Mega Agent Camp. And, you know, he's a nice guy, articulate, the whole thing, kind of a little shy, to be honest with you, but, you know, a good guy, right? Turns out EXP is actually a, a model that he took to Gary Keller and Gary Keller said, it won't work. No, I'm not doing it. It won't work. He literally brought it to Gary Keller and said, this is the future of real estate. I'm giving it to you. You should make this part of the Keller Williams business model and, and Keller refused. I'm and telling after you right now, yeah. Sanford went out and started the company. There's a huge stereotype for the agents at EXP too. Like, oh, we're all just recruiters. Like, I'm telling you right now, like, I'm a producer. Like, 
Yeah. All I do is sell houses. Yeah. I do not recruit. It's not, I don't make any money off recruiting. I don't ask agents. I don't pitch EXP, you know. Um, I literally joined EXP just to take advantage of the knowledge that I was gaining. Well, you know, here's the thing about recruiters. So, yes, yes, we yes, we have a reputation. That's correct. I totally agree with that. I got that reputation when I was at Keller Williams. Okay. I had close to 200 agents in my office at a given time at Keller Williams in Escondido. And when I would walk into a room that, that had competitors in that room, like an association event or something, you know, one of the very first things they would do when I darkened the doorway is they would make an announcement. Just a reminder, there's no recruiting here today. They do that because I'm walking in the door, right? Instead of, hey, Mike, welcome. We'd love to have you, you know, great to see you, you know, whatever, right? They literally, when I darkened the doorway, they make that announcement. I took great pride in it. Here's the thing. Even the biggest recruiters, and I'm not joking when I tell you this, I interviewed Rob Flick the other day. Rob Flick has tens of thousands of people in his rep share tree. He has tens of thousands of people in his profit share tree back at Keller Williams still, okay? But if you talk to, to Rob Flick, and he's, his podcast is available on our podcast, if you, if you talk to Rob Flick, it's not about the recruiting part. He's a recruiter, and he recruits like crazy, but it's not about that. It's about giving back. This is a guy who went to Coronado High School in Phoenix, Scottsdale area, okay, graduated from there, went back after all of his success and literally donated a million dollars in EXP stock to Coronado High School so that they could then have do scholarships for kids that can't afford to go to college. It's crazy. Okay, I'm serious. You start looking, it's just like what I was saying. You look, you look hard enough in any situation, I don't care what it is, you'll find the positive. So, so even people that have this idea that we're recruiters, if they look hard enough, they'll see the good that comes from it. I'm not yeah. joking. I, I, it's like, to be honest with you, I got to tie it into Christianity. It's like, you wanna, it's selfish for me not to share with you the goodness of God. Exactly. It is selfish for me to not share with you what I have gained from joining EXP. Right. I don't care if you come or not. Right. I don't care. It's like, if you, if me telling you about Jesus and what he's done for me, if you don't come, that's your choice. It's okay. Exactly. I'm not doing it to be pushy. Right. But when it comes to EXP and from a business standpoint, like I am not trying to get you to make a decision because it's benefiting me. Right. I see that it will benefit you because it did for me. Right. You know, like I, I spent a couple hundred thousand dollars at the, at the last book a year mm -hmm. with with our team's production. Mm -hmm. I go to EXP, I spend $23,000 max out of pocket. Right. Done. That's if you icon status off. Right. You know how much money that left me with? Right. The reason why I own this building mm -hmm. is because I can afford having it and, and having the overhead of it because I had a leftover $200,000 right. or $150,000 from my last broker right. that I was losing for having an office and some marketing material which I have a ton of marketing material that I built out for my own business that now I don't, I don't need it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I really don't need it. People who are at these big brokerages, just take a look at what you're offering, off, getting offered, mm -hmm. break it down by cost, mm -hmm. what your upfront cost would be to do it, and then take away how much you're paying in your brokerage fees mm -hmm. and see what kind of real estate they can buy. Yeah, it's a business decision, yeah. right? So now that you brought up the building that we're in, let's talk about this for a second. Okay. Tell the story you already did off, 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 off camera, off air, but tell the story about this building. Tell the story about this complex because this is cool. So we're in, we're in just true, just full disclosure, we're in Alpine, California at, at your office in Alpine, Alpine. It's Alpine Boulevard, right? Yeah. yeah. Tower. Alpine Boulevard. Alpine Boulevard. So we're on Alpine Boulevard. Just take the tower next. Sorry. Uh, but Alpine has a particular, if you get a chance, Google Alpine, California. But here's the thing, Alpine has a particular appeal to it. It's kind of like Julian, right? It has this sort of old, old school, old time, you know, appeal to it. It has a charm to it that's really cool. And what you did was you took this property that really was kind of dilapidated and turned it into a show place. And, it's, and it has all of the same running themes of Alpine, California, right? It it's fits right into the community perfectly. And it was your opportunity to sort of sort of bring up this area to an extent and improve it. So talk about that. 
Yeah, I didn't even realize how much of an impact it was going to be until I did it, right? And I was scared to even do it because I was stuck in this little box, um, you know, being at Berkshire because I had my own office there. And then when I left EXP, I quickly realized, like, hey, I'm kind of responsible for some of the team uh, players that decided to join real estate. I mean, right. And I was telling everybody, dude, you guys got to work from home until I figure this out, right. you know? And so um, I had, when I worked at Berkshire, I had this office for sale. It was an escrow. It fell out. Boom, fell off the market, um, lost the listing. When I went to EXP, you know, um, I was working from home and I was a little too scared. I was looking for places to rent. And then I remembered, okay, I had this property for sale. I went back to the seller and said, what, what kind of deal can we work out if I buy it, you know? And I had to sit on it because I was scared to make that investment. Like I was scared. I was never taught to get out of my box. So I called a couple of the EXP players. I'm like, dude, is this a good play? And he's like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, this is nothing I even thought about at the last brokerage. We're like, hundred percent do it. hundred percent do it. I'm like, okay, well that means I need to get $200,000, which, you know, that'll drain me out pretty quick. So at the time I had a lot of uh, equity in my house and I just pulled $200,000 out of my house. I said, screw it, we're going to buy it. Mm -hmm. So right now, this property has four units on it. Mm -hmm. Our main office that uh, we work out of, there's a back office, an event space office, and then a house in the front. Right. And so with the, with the total income, not including this office, but with the total income from the other three units, it pays for itself and profits me like $2,000 a month. So you cash flow every month. So you cash flow. And okay. I work here for free. All right. So I not a bad deal. Yeah. So I started reinvesting money back into this place because it was dilapidated, like you said. I wanted it to be a showpiece on the boulevard. I wanted people to be like, the heck is that place? Yeah. That place is rad, but it doesn't look like it's supposed to be here. And, and mission mission accomplished. This place is gorgeous. Yeah. It's really, really is. So we set a really good curb appeal on it and kind of I don't know, it's got a country feel to mm -hmm. it. Inside it definitely does, but it kind of has more of like that Delmar Bluff look on the outside with the black and white trim. Yeah. But in the back, it was all gravel and dirt, and we just made really cool landscape moves. And since then, we've held multiple community events. Um, we've had weddings here, you know, and you name it. It gives us a huge opportunity, my team, a huge opportunity. Like one of our agents sat in a cornhole tournament, so be the third one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he can raise money and donate to charities and be a part of knowing people and getting his name out there and people show up, they see the office, like, wow, this place is cool. And, you know, it just, it gives us now a place to do business differently yeah. because a lot of times in real estate, I was missing this in my own personal business. I wasn't doing enough for my clients. Mm -hmm. No client appreciation parties, getting myself like, yeah, I'll call them and text them. How you doing? Like, good, that's fine. But at a certain point, you want to be in front of them. You want to give them something to um, show them like your appreciation mm -hmm. for them using you and doing business with you. And so we got really involved in doing community events, which we kind of overlapped it with the community. So now we're kind of like this steeple place. People kind of keep an eye open for the things that we have coming up. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Yeah. You know? We had uh, a community event here one time. And... Uh, it was a charity event for a little, uh, there was a family that has two kids with cancer mm. and it was a horrible, horrible thing. Somebody came to us like, Hey, can you think of something for us? Like, boom, do it back here. Yeah. I don't care. But you know, we're going to, we're going to run it beyond the, the rules and we're just going to get this, we're going to throw this big auction off. And, um, that day we were really, we were really worried about, it was raining, like nobody's going to come to this thing. So, you know, um, Throughout that day, we ended up having like a thousand people show up, and we raised Whoa. like ninety grand in six hours for this family, oh, which awesome. was amazing. That's awesome. So we've this place has made a huge impact within like a year and a half of us getting stuff out of it, mm. and we've just begun. That's you know, cool. so that's cool, man. Yeah. Well, I'm happy for you. I I'm thoroughly impressed with this place. I told you that. Um, I love what you've done with it. I love the fact that you've improved the area. Right, and you stayed true to the Alpine theme. Like yeah. you stayed true to to the real character that this town has, and I just I just love it. I think it's absolutely amazing. I actually on the way in here got to see your uh, event space and and that Tanya and right, and it's um it's really cool. It's yeah. really it's legit. Man. Yeah. It's really awesome. We we got it. So we're up to today. We're in this great facility that you built. You're off and running, doing your thing, successful real estate career, business. Um, 
Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Anything else going on? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, I'm a busy guy. Like I have five kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you guys hear this a lot, but don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do it. Um, I have a zero quit policy in my house. So if you start something, you have to finish it. You have to commit to it. You have to do it right. You have to do it your best Mm -hmm. to your own ability. Otherwise, you know, that's probably where you will see a negative impact on something is when you don't do it your best. Yeah. And the positive side of that is that you're gonna learn not to do it again. Yeah. So for it's me- It's standards. Yeah. It's standards. For me, um, you can successfully run an operated business, have a big family, and be happy and not stress out. Yeah. If you- Design it right. Design it right. Yeah. So, yeah. I think you're, and another thing I'll tie back into it, relationships are super important. Yeah. You know, and I start mine with God every single day. That's cool, man. So that's cool. Well, thanks again for doing this. It's been awesome. I've loved every second of it. And thanks again for, for working with us. My phone was dead earlier, so we actually ended up cutting it up for a little bit off camera and off, off air. Uh, thanks for doing that with me. I appreciate it. And uh, it's been awesome. Yeah, it's been thank awesome. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.